You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Wrap-Up, where I, Oren Wasfeld, am... I was muted that whole time. All right, let's try this again. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Wrap-Up, where I, Oren Wasfeld, am solo. All of my co-hosts and friends left me alone for this one. Um, But that's okay, it wasn't too exciting a game where I'm here to recap the Raptors' loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's a blowout loss. It's still going on. Um, I thought I would try something different and watch the garbage time minutes with you guys and maybe comment on that. Also, it allows me to get this stream started quicker and and therefore over quicker because this obviously wasn't a very fun Raptors game. Um, So bear with me as I just try to get this all set up by myself. I'm trying to get the tweet out from the Raptors Republic account. Um... And, and it's it's a bit much, but yeah. Um, Raptors, obviously without... Oh, that's what I didn't do. I didn't tweet it out. Here we go. Um, yeah, Raptor was without Fred Van Vliet, obviously playing a healthy Cleveland team. And I kind of want to just start here saying this. I... I know how Raptors fans are. They treat every game as if it's the end of the world and the last game on earth and all that. But like going into this game, I don't I guess maybe a lot of people felt differently based on the reactions I'm seeing on the timeline, but personally I wasn't expecting to win this game. Like the Raptors had won 7 of 8 coming in, 4 in a row against relatively weak competition, although like New Orleans that wasn't an easy win. Um, but yeah, you're going in second night of a back-to-back to play a, a healthy Cavs team that just got blown out the night before. You can't, you know, you're missing Fred Van Vliet, your starting point card. Like, you can't really expect to win that game if you're the Raptors. Um, they certainly weren't favored in Vegas to win the game. So I see a lot of freaking out happening on the timeline, and there's stuff that we will get into on this broadcast. There's stuff the Raptors should have done better, could have done better. Um, But ultimately, A, I think this was in some ways a schedule loss without Fred Van Vliet in the picture. Just not necessarily a schedule loss, but one you shouldn't have expected the Raptors to win. And B, I want to give a lot of credit to the Cavs because really I thought they played a near-perfect game in this one. And, you know, primarily it was three people. It was Garland, Mitchell, and Allen, who did the majority of the scoring for them, Mobley picked it up in the second half as well. But those three carried, and Donovan Mitchell just dominated with a stat line. Pull it up right here, the Cavs stats. Mitchell had a stat line of 35 points, six rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. His defense on OGN and OB was really good. 
on top of just I, I thought he was masterful with the ball in his hand today snaking I mean not snaking but when he splits the pick and roll like that where the the two defenders show at the level of the screen and he just puts it in between them and basically has a free lane to the rim um obviously he hit you know eight of his 12 three-pointers on the night in general a theme tonight was Mobley and Garland were just too quick for the Raptors guards especially with Fred out so so OG and Gary too quick for those guys especially in transition I thought they did a lot of their damage there where you know either Mitchell or Garland would just push the ball up the floor really quick before the Raptors could get matched up. They would already be in the paint because they just sprinted. The Raptors would have to send help. And then it was an easy dump off pass to Allen or Mobley for a dunk. And that's really a a huge part of how they just killed the Raptors. The other part was in the pick and roll, similar kind of thing. Those two just turning a corner on the pick and roll. Um, I thought Pirtle defended it pretty well in his minutes but when Pirtle was off the floor Raptors got absolutely killed in that pick and roll again guards turning the corner Raptors having to send help from the weak side and the Cavs again credit to them they did a great job playing out of that like it wasn't always so simple as you know pick and roll help comes pass three it was often like pass Raptors get out there on their rotation another pass drive another pass three so I thought the Cavs did a good job in general tonight, I really think a lot of the credit goes to them. Um, honestly, a near a near perfect game on both ends of the floor for them. We've seen the Raptors match up well with the Cavs, so I'm not particularly worried about this matchup. Uh, I think it would be a good, healthy matchup. Still, I think the Cavs are kind of showed tonight that they're in a little bit of a different league than the Raptors. I think that's fair. I don't think people think the Raptors are a top four team in the East. Um, I think they're a, a tier above that or under that, I should say. And that was pretty evident tonight. Cleveland was just their execution, their defense. Everything was just on another level than the Raptors. And again, the Raptors are missing Fred. But yeah, a better team I thought won tonight. Um, I don't think it's is anything that crazy. But that's what it was. Let's get into just going to pull up, uh, you know, the old, the old notes of the game here. I want to see if there's anything else. Yeah. Let me talk a bit about Fred's absence and why that hurt so much too. Like we've seen the Raptors play the Cavs well this year. And I think a big part of that is because they have so many wings that they're kind of a constant mismatch on the Cavs who have two really small guards and two bigs who aren't quite fast enough to keep up with like a Fred Van Vliet. If he gets Allen on a switch, he can get into the paint and then pass out from there. And the bigs, you can throw it into the, to the block. If a big has one of the smalls on them and then the Raptors can play from there. But in order to do that successfully, you need three point shooters Right. So if a double comes or if they're shedding extra help towards Siakam, for example, in the paint, which the Cavs did a ton, the Raptors need three point shooters to make them pay. And today they just didn't have it. Gary and OG both had off games. Fred was again out of the lineup. So missing one of your three good three point shooters against a Cavs team that you need shooting against just hurts because you're not going to beat the Cavs by scoring at the rim. They just have two good rim protectors 
That's not the formula to beat them. We've seen the Raptors beat them in the past. Again, mostly from you, you got to beat them from the outside. Um, and without Fred, it made it really hard to do that. Um, yeah, I want to let's talk about some individual Raptors players because I actually thought their bench in the first half was really good. Second half, everything kind of fell apart. Maybe it was fatigue on the second night of a back to back. Maybe it was also just the Cavs stepping it up to another gear that the Raptors didn't have. But I thought the bench was good in the first half. So, you know, Delano Benton, sorry, not Delano Benton, Jeff Doughton, 18 minutes. He's down here for some reason. Uh, yeah, similar night, showed confidence in the sh- jump shot for sure. Took a few really good defense once again. Chris Boucher deserves a ton, a ton of credit. Only six points, but six rebounds. His hustle, I thought, in that second quarter was huge. Just kind of swinging the momentum of the game a little bit for the Raptors. Um, Precious was okay. And who's the last guy that saw the floor? I guess it was Wieskamp who did not have a good uh, game. You know, Wieskamp is out there to knock down open threes. He got three pretty good looks. All three of them were not only off, but like pretty far off. So that's just the life of a, of a niche player in the NBA. If you have like one really good skill, you have to, it's not fair necessarily, but you have to knock down the shots if you're Joe Wieskamp. And he didn't do that. You know, Gary and, and OG, I, I think actually I should split them up. Gary kind of got benched down the stretch of this game. I think, He just didn't have it going tonight, wasn't making plays for his teammates, wasn't knocking his own shots down, wasn't defending Garland well enough at the point of attack. So he got benched. OG, I want to talk about because let me see if I can pull up highlights as I talk so that it's not just my face on here. That would be obviously ideal. I want to talk about OG and and yeah, let me know in the comments. I'm going to get to the comments after. Oren doing this by himself is sad. Thank you, Iches, for the comment. Um, but I saw a lot of talk about OG and Anobi on the timeline today. And so I wanted to just, I guess, share my thoughts on, on his game. Um, and that is like, it's hard to criticize OG's offense in this one. He had seven shots in the entire game. Again, in a night when Fred's not there and your bench isn't doing a whole lot from you, you would expect OG to to be a big part of the offense and he wasn't. And and a lot of people are critiquing him from that. Like OG has always been a pretty passive player in that he's not going to demand the ball. Um, he's not going to, you know, make it, make sure he gets it off of an inbound or whatever and bring it up the court. Like he's always going to pass to the point guard, make the right play, get off the ball and just hope it comes back to him. Often it does come back to him. The Raptors ball movement has been better recently, but this was a game where I definitely criticize his teammates more than him because I can think of at least two times where he was wide open from three and guys just didn't pass to him. Maybe they didn't see him, but like it was in a pretty clear situation where, where it it was obvious that a pass could have gone to him. And instead guys just weren't finding him. And what can you really criticize him to do like other than take the shots that he gets and he didn't do that then in the third quarter late in the third quarter he started handling the ball a little bit more he hit that step back three to end the third quarter and then he I I think he hit 
a couple more shots. He found Joe Wieskamp in the corner after driving. Um, so I, I thought what he did off the dribble was fine, but like, yeah, it wasn't a ton of that off the dribble stuff for OG. The offense wasn't running through him very much other than once in a while in the post throughout the game. But in terms of his perimeter game, it's up to his teammates. And that is where it helps to have a point guard, by the way, even regardless of how you feel about um, Fred. It, it helps to have a point guard because it's on his teammates to find him, to find him from three so that he can either take those shots or basically pump fake and go and make plays you know, off the drive in those situations. That's where OG has always been at his best. We know that. But in order to unlock that version of him, his teammates had to do a way better job of looking for him. And yeah, I just didn't think, I just didn't think they did. So yeah, OG has not looked great since coming back from injury. That's that happens. That's normal. Um, that's what always happens, you know, after after an injury like that, especially to a, to a hand where you're handling the ball and all that. But I didn't actually think this was the fair game to criticize him for his offense because, again, he took seven shots. Like, you, you can't act like OG lost them this game. Um, yeah. Pascal, 25 points, eight rebounds, four assists. It certainly didn't feel like that kind of night for him. Like, like a he put up those great numbers but yeah he again it's this is pascal this is what we've come to expect from him uh which is which is a nice thing that you can kind of rely on your star to to put up these kind of numbers every night he obviously had a bit of lull in the season but post all-star break even a little before the all-star break he found his legs again i guess like he's just been on fire again I thought it was huge if they were going to win this game that he hit four threes, uh, four of their nine threes. Because, yeah, if, if Fred's out, guys like Barnes and Siakam in the starting lineup have to knock down those catch-and-shoot threes. Pascal did. Unfortunately, again, no one else did. OG and Gary combined for just two. Um, so that's, Yeah. Pascal, his shooting has been a revelation this season from three. Like, he's near the top of the Raptors' ranks in terms of three-point percentage. I'm actually going to look that up right now because that's a fascinating stat, I think. Like, the fact that Pascal Siakam, that kind of shows you everything you need to know about this season because it's a really good thing that Pascal has developed his jump shot this well. Um and it's also a really bad thing because it means no one else is shooting. So, yeah, among rotation players, Gary's in first, OG's in second, Fred is in third, and Pascal is right behind Fred in fourth. So I'm wrong, but he's closer than you would think. He's at 34.1%. You know, Fred's at 34.4%, OG's at 35.5%, and Gary's at 36.8%. So he's right there with those guys. And then it's a pretty big drop-off, Boucher, Barnes, those type of guys. Um, all right. Do we have, I don't have that much more to say to this game, but do we have any questions about this game, about the Raptors season as in general? Um, because I'll take a couple of questions before I get out of here. Um, yeah, again, not, not the most exciting game in the world. Raptors end up losing in the end, 118.93 to the Cavaliers. They drop their record to 30 and 32. They have a huge game coming up on Tuesday against the Chicago Bulls, who are right near them in the standings. 
Um, but again, I'm not freaking out about this game. I thought the Cavs played extremely well. I thought the Raptors were always in a bad situation without Fred on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, and yeah, Donovan Mitchell, absolutely insane performance. It's hard to it's hard to win a game like that. So yeah, questions, and then we'll get out of here. Um, I'm just gonna go back a little bit to see if I miss any. I did see. Um, Sorry, this is some this is some uh, dead air time. God, really negative comments. Um, that is that is not good. Okay, each asks, Orin, are you excited for the play in? Uh, yeah, I am. Honestly, when you look at the standings, and I'll pull them up, and maybe people think I'm a Raptors optimist, but I think this team is playing better. Again, they're not in the the tier of the top four teams in the East, but I do think they could compete with anyone else. So when you look at the playing game, I'm focused on just getting a seven or an eight seed. Ideally that seven seed, because that home game is that game would be at home, but none of the teams in that area really scare me. Like in a win or go home game against the heat or the Hawks or the Brooklyn Nets, who I think are about to have a free fall or the Wizards or the Bulls. Like, I, I think I would pick the Raptors against both of those, most of those teams now that they have Pirtle. Uh, we got to see how the Hawks play, but I would say all of those teams right now. So that's kind of where you're aiming this, the 7-8 seed. So I am excited for a playing game. I think a one-off game is, is always exciting and fun. And then if you win it or you win the second one, you get to have a playoff series. Now, what you really are avoiding if you're the Raptors is playing the Bucks or the Celtics in a playoff series. I think any other team, like the, the Cavs and the 76ers, I think those series would actually be fun, even though I wouldn't pick the Raptors to win by any means. I think they would be competitive series, but I don't want to see them play the Bucks or the Celtics because that's just going to be, that's just going to be, uh, those teams are really good. And, and I think they would beat the Raptors pretty easily. So to Matt Hogg's point, who can we beat in a playoff series? All right, here's the standings. Let's go down the list. Celtics, no. Bucks, no. Sixers, no. Cavs, no. Nets, yes. But uh, I think the Nets are terrible. And um, but we're not we're not going to play them in a playoff series because I think they're going to drop pretty far back. The Knicks, I think that would be a really good series. I think these two teams are really uh, about as good as each other, honestly. The Heat, yeah, I think the Raptors could beat the Heat in a playoff series. The Hawks, again, who knows with the Hawks? Uh, they they got to show me how they play now that they have Quinn Snyder. And yeah, the Wizards or Bulls, I'm picking the Raptors against those teams for sure. So who am I picking? I'm picking the Heat. I'm picking the Wizards and the Bulls. I'm saying it's a toss-up with the Hawks. Um, thanks for your question, Matt. How would a Fred help this game? I feel like you got to rewind it. I explained exactly how Fred would have helped, how more shooting would have helped, how you have to beat the Cavs from the outside because they have such good rim protection. So feel free to just rewind the video once it's over or maybe even now. And uh, towards the beginning, I explained how I think Fred would have helped this game. Um, okay, Phoenix plays E, a loyal listener asks, Oren, tell me if you agree with this or not. The Pascal Siakam number one option stuff isn't isn't it? He's good, not great. 
great players would shoot above league average relative to true shooting. He isn't. So the question is, isn't it he's good, not great as a number one option? Um, I think that's somewhat fair to say in terms of an offensive, like, number one option around the league. He's a good number one option. He's not a great number one option. Um, I think that's that's pretty fair to say. I also think he does so many things defensively uh, as a playmaker, as a transition guy, that, you know, number one option is such a boxy term. But if we're just talking about best player on your team, I think he's a pretty great best player on your team. Um, I think he's a top 10 player, so... That pretty obviously makes it that 20 other teams have worse players uh, than him. Maybe not obviously a top 10 player, but at his best, he's a top 10 player. So, yeah, he, he's he's a he's a really good best player on your team. He's not in the Katie, Steph, Luca, you know, um, grouping of elite players in this league. But I think there's other ways to win a championship other than having one of those but I don't, I don't know maybe that's not true maybe you do have to ultimately trade for one of those if you're the raptors um we'll see okay joshua asked do you think one of the problems the raptors have is the fact that they're they're not built to lose one of our key players against good teams feels like that's a common thread this season i think that's fair to some regard but also they did just win the last two games without fred um so you know, it's a bit of a recency thing, I think, to say that. But are we not? I would have to look at the numbers and see what other teams do relative to the Raptors in terms of missing one guy and not winning. But that kind of actually goes to my point about Siakam. Is that like, yeah, if you're going to win a championship, if you're going to be a contender, it's not because your number one option is Luka Doncic. It's because your team as a whole, I think if you're the Raptors, is really good and still getting better. You know, you have four or five guys who are legitimate, good two-way players. Um, you're not just like a superstar and a bunch of scrubs around him. So I think that makes sense in that regard. If one of your five best players is missing, if you're the Raptors, your margin of error is just so small that you're going to have a tough time winning games. That, that just makes sense, I think, based on the way that the roster is constructed and whatnot. Okay, Matt Hogg asks, are you excited about what we sacrifice for a play-in game? I'm glad I got this question because I can rant a little bit. Like, what we sacrifice. Let's think about what we sacrifice. We sacrifice a 2024 pick, right? I don't know how fans are emotionally attached to a pick of a player we have never selected. If the other thing we sacrificed is like spots in this year's draft, that's fair, but we were never getting Weminyama. So what we don't even know the players we're talking about when we talk about Raptors sacrificing going from the eighth pick to the 14th pick, right? Like we don't even know. So I, I don't, I don't know how much, sacrifice we're talking about this year um it, i feel like more so matt and you can correct me if you're wrong you're talking about that 2024 first as a sacrifice for trying to be more competitive this year and, and getting yakapurta like to me i can't be mad or sad or whatever about what we sacrifice until i see where that pick lands and 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 whatnot like 
if next year the Raptors are good and they're a top four team, for example, and that's the 24th pick in the draft, am I going to be mad that we got Jakob Pertle for that? No. Like, that's just why I don't have a strong opinion on it. Um, Pertle's been great. I think he's a really good player, certainly better than what he was showing this year in San Antonio. Plugs a ton of holes for the Raptors, rim protector, amazing rebounder, great passer, great screen setter. Like, I love his fit. And it looks like he can be their long-term option at center. So I'm really, I like the Pirtle acquisition. We have to see how, how good they are next year to justify if the price they gave up was worth it or not. But um, I'm just not, I'm just not particularly mad about the theoretical value of that pick because we just don't know how good it's going to end up being. Um yeah, the Raptors bet on themselves, which they've done many times, and so we'll see how good they are next season. All right, about to get out of here. Looking for, looking for a lot. Last, uh, we don't think Siakam's a top fifteen player. All right, I'm seeing a couple of comments saying I'm capping about Siakam. Why is Siakam an All NBA player two times now and about to make his third? That's the best 15 players in the league, is it not? The the, the three all-NBA teams makes up the best 15 players in the league. So he's about to make it three out of the last four seasons. So how is he not a top 15 player? I just need someone to explain that math to me. I'm not very good at math, but like the people are voting him as a top 15 player, you know, two of the past three years, and I think he's going to make it again this year. Um, there's a reason for that. Like... I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, do we have any rebuttals to that very simple argument using using all NBA? Like I can say my like, you know, subjective thoughts on why I think Pascal is good, but nobody cares about that. Like, I, like we have objective evidence, as objective as it gets, that he's a he's an all NBA player. That's objectively, or or that's like the definition of top fifteen. So, um, no, the positional constraints barely matter for all NBA. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not using that as, as a thing either. Phoenix, sorry. Guru asks, Oren, do you feel the front office waited too long to find a proper center? I'm actually glad someone asked, cause I should have said this during the Pearl bit. Like this is my complaint more than anything in terms of that trade. It's just like, I wish they did it in the off season. Um, and given themselves like a whole year to see how they look with the center. If, if they were always going to do it and always wanted to see how the team looked with the center, I wish they did it earlier. That's kind of my biggest complaint with the trade, even if you had to give up a tiny bit more. Uh, but then you get into, would you really want to give two first round picks? And I probably wouldn't. Maybe a first and a swap instead of the seconds. I would probably be okay with that in terms of doing it earlier before the season started so that's yeah it's frustrating that they waited so long to get Pirtle when he was obviously on the trading block in the offseason um so I think that's where I criticize the front office more than necessarily the actual value play of what they what they traded for Pirtle because because Pirtle's looking like the type of guy who's worth a first round pick just like straight up again we'll see how that um we'll see how how that turns out okay people are saying siaka made the all nba when players were injured he made second team all nba 
I mean, how many injured guys have to be injured to make a second All-NBA team? And honestly, he should have made third team of that year, I think. But still, like, right now, people are getting mad about the very, like, thin margins of what I said. He's about a top 10, top 15 player. I don't know why people are are so mad about this. Like, the All-NBA stuff says that. And yeah, you're a top 15 player in the league. If people are injured, that means that that season they are not eligible. So for, for the past three out of four years, he's been a top 15 player. Have there been injuries in each of those seasons? Sure. But like you can't just use that as, as an excuse uh, because there's injuries every season. Okay, I'm done talking about this. Jason Choi says Siakam is top 15. He's a great player. That's that's exactly it. I'm, I'm done arguing. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's that's it for me. I got I got in an argument with the commenters. So that's how you know I have to just take the night off, you know, go go watch some more basketball probably and get ready for this next Raptors game on Tuesday. Um, again, not a bad loss if you're the Raptors. I think it's it's a pretty understandable one. Uh, thanks for, you know, even though we argued, thanks for all the comments. I do appreciate it. Thanks for watching and tuning in. Appreciate it if you like, comment, and subscribe. Um, I did forget to do the 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 Canem Taxman of the night. So we're gonna do Canem Taxman of the night goes to I'll say that man this is tough because we have a rule where we don't give it to Siakam and man not not a lot of other guys showed up tonight um I'll give it to Chris Boucher he tried if nothing else he tried his shots didn't go down but he he, he certainly tried harder than any other Raptor out there so Chris Boucher is our Canem tax man of the night I actually think he did change the momentum of the game a bit in that second quarter. Um, I thought he did the same thing the game before a night, a night ago against Detroit. So Chris Boucher deserves it. Visit canamtax.com or call the number on top of your screen if you need help with your taxes this year in Canada because tax season is right around the corner. And they'll do a great job helping you get the money you deserve back from the mean old government. So call or go to canamtax.com. All right. This is enough. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you on Tuesday. Bye.